0: One moonlight evening, as Master Fox was taking his usual stroll in the woods, he saw a number of pheasants perched quite out of his reach on a limb of a tall old tree. The sly fox found a bright patch of moonlight where the pheasants could see him clearly. There, he raised himself up on his hind legs and began a wild dance. First he whirled round and round like a top, then he hopped up and down cutting all sorts of strange capers. The pheasants stared giddily. They hardly dared blink for fear of losing him out of their sight a single instant. Now the fox made as if to climb a tree, now he fell over and lay still, playing dead. And the next instant, he was hopping on all fours, his back in the air, and his bushy tail, shaking so that it seemed to throw out silver sparks in the moonlight. By this time, the poor bird's heads were in a whirl. And when the fox began his performance all over again, so dazed did they become, that they lost their hold on the limb and fell down, one by one, to the fox. Too much attention to danger may cause us to fall victim to it. I'm Kevin Lynch, and you're listening to The Tenuto Podcast. Here we go! Alright, welcome back. Another Tuesday here on the Tenuto Podcast. And that short story in the beginning was, it's called The Fox and the Pheasants, written by Aesop. And that was presented to me at Midwest at a session called Thrive, Not Survive, Achieving Success as a First-Year Teacher. And the whole point of that story being at the beginning of his session, at the beginning of his booklet, was the fact that first-year teachers a lot of the time are like pheasants, you know. They're staring at the danger, and the danger for first-year teachers is the fear that it's going to be a bad year. There's so many expectations that first-year teachers have on their first year, and that's things that people have already told them, things like, it's going to be the hardest year of your life, or just get through the first year, just keep your head above water. People have told me that all the time. And Jonathan Viella, the guy who did the session, argues against that. He says, Thrive, not survive. It's not about surviving, because if you're focused on surviving, like the pheasants, if you pay too much attention to danger, you're going to fall victim to it. You need to pay attention to thriving. And I really, really, that message really hit home for me. I was so impressed with Jonathan Viela at Midwest. His session was absolutely extraordinary. It is the thing, it was the highlight of my trip to Chicago this year. And... I was so impressed that on a limb, I sent him an email asking him if he'd be willing to do an interview with me for the podcast, and he responded within hours and said, absolutely, I'm so thrilled that you asked, and I was so thrilled that he wanted to come on the podcast. Now, after the interview, I'll be honest with you, he was such an easy person to talk to. It was so much fun. There were a couple of things from his session I just wanted to put in the podcast because I thought that they were so important. He talks about in your instruction to avoid filler words like, um, like, see if you can, you know, okay. And I think that's something that we all struggle with from time to time. But recording yourself has been a great, great way for me to stop using those kind of phrases as much. Um, and then praise behaviors that you wish to see repeated, I think is... Is something that we need to do more of because when you praise it you see it more often one last thing he says we're not just teachers we're reminders right and so much of teaching is just simply reminding students the little things like posture the way you enter the room you'll hear him talk about things like that more in the interview but a little bit on Jonathan Viella. he is a second year teacher in Texas he teaches at Four Points Middle School, and he is the second assistant director. So there are three directors at his school and a percussion instructor, and you'll hear more about that in the interview. But the head director is Christopher Yi, The assistant director is Jessica Gonzalez, and the second assistant director is Jonathan Viella. You'll hear more about that, like I said, in the interview. A quick disclaimer, please do your best to make it through the first minute of the interview. The sound quality gets better from there. But without further ado, here is the interview with Jonathan Viella. All right, I'm here with Jonathan Viella from Four Points Middle School out in Texas. He's the assistant band director, is that correct? Yes, sir. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jonathan. I've been so excited to have you on for a while now. Uh, I've heard great things about you from some of my friends, and I went to your Midwest clinic this year. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> yes. So, again, thank you so much for coming on the show,
1: Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. It's a it's a huge honor to be here, and this is uh, the first um, podcast that I've had the pleasure of being a part of. So, great. thank you.
0: Well, I'm glad that this is your first. Can you tell me a little bit about the story? um, on why you chose music education for your career?
1: Yes. I have this strange thing to where I, I grow extra teeth and, um, around second grade, I had not a full back row of teeth, but I, I I probably had like five or six. Um, and so at this time, you know, started these doctor's visits to where I was, um, going to the dentist to get these, um, extra teeth extracted almost periodically. And, um, to to make a long story short, I suppose I I have a very strange mouth that I grew up with it in terms of, um, I had an overbite, um, and an underbite simultaneously meaning that I, I had a crossbite. I had to, um, get some things fixed with my, with my jaw. I had to get teeth, you know, teeth extracted starting in second grade. And really these things kept happening, um, through my high school years. And so through all of this, I would say malleable time, um, I had a lot of, um, contact with oral surgeons and my orthodontist and with my regular dentist. And what I was seeing is, is these professionals, um, being very good at their job and working with my mouth and then seeing the slow progression of, you know, what was happening to my mouth and what was happening, um, to my teeth. And that, that began to interest me and, when it was finally over and you know my jaw was fixed and my my crossbite was undone yeah. and my braces were taken off and and all of this um, I was left with what was a very uh, nice set of teeth you know my all my teeth are in they're uh, straight they're clean uh, they're white and it was um, in a way a nice it was a nice gift of confidence to me you know I mean it was just a physical feature but um, I think it influenced me like in a mental way, you know, it made me happy to smile and it made me, you know, I was excited to be happy. And I, you know, I stepped away from things, you know, with the pressures of high school and people were asking you, what are you going to do uh, later on in your life? And, and at first I did choose to, to go down the path of uh, pursuing uh, dentistry with, well, specifically pursuing orthodontia to later specialize in and to become um, an orthodontist. Okay. And when I was speaking to my, um, orthodontist at the time about it, I actually did a, um, um, not, not a study, but, but an internship with my orthodontist in the mm-hmm. summer before I, I began, um, college at Oklahoma state university. Um, we, we were speaking and, you know, he was kind of questioning why I wanted to do this. And, um, you know, at the time I was, it, it was a balance. It, it was kind of the decision between music education uh, because I was part of a wonderful, wonderful band program, I had wonderful teachers uh, both in my middle school and high school. So I was kind of contemplating music education. I was also kind of contemplating um, dentistry and, and orthodontics. Okay. And in part of this conversation with my uh, orthodontist, you know, he was asking me why I wanted to do this, and I said, "Well, I, I just want to, you know, make other people's lives better, just like you made my life better." But then, you know, I kind of stumbled upon my words. I kind of stumbled upon my train of thought. And although I said, you know, the answer that I wanted to say to him, it was kind of that slow light bulb that made me realize, like, the reason why I'm interested in orthodontics or in- interested in dentistry is really the same reason why I should be pursuing and should and, and am passionate about music education, because it's, it's the same gift of, you know, giving someone straight teeth, improving their life. Um, I'm able to do that so much more freely and more accessible, in my opinion, through music education. Like simply just by being a music teacher, I can improve someone's life. I can make someone's life better. I can give Absolutely. someone confidence. You know, I can make someone happy. Um, I can influence some, someone in a positive way. You know, long story short is, is the messed up teeth and, and that vital conversation with, with, my, uh, with my orthodontist. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do identify as as a, a musician as well you know i'm in love with music um and you know kind of a chapter of my affinity and passion for music now is just loving the gift to spread it to others
0: right so you are a saxophone player
1: that's that's correct
0: okay great so did you know jeffrey leffert did he teach you at oklahoma State? i've
1: I've heard of him. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Uh, I I chose Oklahoma State. <laughs> I I can, <laughs> I can say confidently that I I chose Oklahoma State because of Jeffrey Leffert. Okay. Um. I had a I I was it, it's a crazy story. You know, the the longer, the more uh, time I spend in music, the, the weirder things are. Like the smaller the world seems to get. Everyone is connected in
0: some way. It's pretty um, crazy. One, yeah. I, it I, it I, is. I really agree.
1: Yeah. W- one of my not one of my, but I would say probably my, my biggest mentor, um, was, and is my high school band director, uh, Frank Troika. Um, and he taught me at Berkner high school in in Richardson, Texas. Okay. Um, Frank, before he was in the North Texas area, uh, was in the Houston area and Jeff Leffert, um, was actually a student for a very short time of uh, Frank Troika. And so they had a connection already. And, um, Jeff went on, Uh, You know, leaving the Houston area um, first, I believe, to go to Sam Houston and then to Northwestern and then to Paris and then to to Michigan State, becoming um, an incredible teacher and and, and an incredible saxophone player. Yeah. Um, And as all that was happening, I was entering high school and then going through high school. So I actually, through Frank Troika, had um, had the opportunity to connect with Dr. Leffert um, during my high high school years. I took a few lessons with him and you know, shook his hand and spoke to him. Yeah. And it was a clear um, and very easy decision leaving Berkner High School to go to Oklahoma State for his saxophone program. It was, timing worked out and the yeah. connections worked out. Um, That's so fantastic. Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. not
0: sure if you're aware, of, uh, and I didn't actually do this on purpose, but Jeff Leffert was the podcast that aired a week before yours. So I, I, this past I did one. see that. Yeah, so I, did I, see I see just that. <laughs> interviewed him. And he I was, was a little fantastic.
1: upset. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a little upset because, you know, in, in many ways, I wish that I... Could have preceded him because yeah. I know how how tough he is to follow <laughs> in terms of you know how well how well he speaks and how smart he is. So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but you know I'm not <laughs> Jeff Leffert, but I'm I'm a very proud uh, very proud student of his. He yeah. he taught me much more um, much much more than how to work a saxophone, mm-hmm. how to sound good on the instrument. He taught me um, in many ways, you know, how to be a student, how to be um, what I'm, I think most thankful for is how to be a musician, um, and how to, how to just move forward in, in the professional world. He's, he's incredible.
0: Yeah. I like, I like what you said earlier that you're not just a teacher or you're not just a saxophone player, but you're a musician all around. Right. I really agree with that.
1: You know, I, I, it it is part of my identity. You know, I, I think, I think being a teacher is, you know, I see myself as a teacher, but in I think a stronger way I first identify myself, um, as a musician. And I, I think that, um, that's, you know, a a facet or at least a a mindset that I have now that in many ways helps me become a better teacher.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of you being a teacher, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your position at four points middle school? I saw at your, uh, at your session at Midwest, you, you work with two other teachers, Christopher Yi and Jessica mm-hmm. Gonzalez. Can you mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about how that dynamic works?
1: Uh, it's very dynamic. <laughs> in, in the, in the um, I, I'm very I work with two of two of my best friends, and and I'm very lucky to say that, and, and I I can say that truthfully. Um, Chris Yee is the director of bands, and uh, Jessica Gonzalez is the first assistant. I'm the second assistant, and we also um, work in conjunction with um, a man named Joe Hobbs, who is our percussion specialist. Um, so um, we at Four Points Middle School, we're in Austin, Texas. Uh, we teach um, sixth through eighth grade. We have we currently have three ensembles, three concert ensembles that are seventh and eighth grade only. Okay. Uh, the exception: we have some sixth graders who move in from the area who have already started instruments, and we you know we place them. In, in those ensembles, but sure. predominantly at seventh and eighth grade, um, it's my hope that next year we will be adding a fourth ensemble, um, so there will be uh, yeah four there for the seventh and eighth graders. So and what are we,
0: what are the ensembles?
1: Uh, we do have a wind ensemble, which okay. is very close, uh, closely follows its name almost. It's almost okay. one two apart. Okay. Uh, like they're a traditional form.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we have – the second is a symphonic band. The third is a concert ensemble – concert band, which is my ensemble. Okay. Um, and then I hope in the future we'll have a, a fourth band as well.
0: And what, what would the fourth band be that you're hoping for?
1: Um, it would be a mix of um, – I, I don't anticipate it being necessarily something that uh, we would send to our state's evaluation, but more so as – um, maybe kind of a remedial, um, thing to continue in in a way, a continuation of, of the students beginning year. Um, I don't anticipate that our eighth graders would be there, but perhaps, um, some seventh graders that need continued instruction from, um, and following their sixth grade year. And, and I see that ensemble is simultaneously being interchanged with the third band. So we can move students freely in and out as long as they're, um, improving, you know, we can send them into the third
0: band. Understood. Really cool. Yeah. And, and you so, said you work with the beginners.
1: Yes. So uh, each of us do. Um, Chris. Okay. Uh, Chris teaches. Um, so our, our beginners are only sixth graders. Um, we are fortunate to have a a wonderful system at Four Points and and really in at Leander ISD in terms of um, all of our beginner classes meet um, in homogenous in homogeneous groups uh, with exception to, to double read. Uh, so oboes and bassoons will meet in the same class. But really everyone else, you know, a clarinet player is only going to be around and learn the clarinet around other clarinet players, right. as will the trumpet, as will, you know, the French horn. Uh,
0: that's fantastic.
1: It, it is wonderful. Um, and we see them every day uh, for typically f- f- about 45 to 50 minutes. Um, so we can give specific instruction to to every single instrument um, that there is. I currently teach um, double reed, and okay. I teach saxophone, and then I teach a section of of clarinet. Our clarinet um, beginner numbers were pretty big over the past few years, and um, for the first time this year, we have actually divided the class into two sections, and I I teach half of this the section.
0: Understood. Okay. Right. So you teach those groups, and then uh, what do the other directors do during the day?
1: So, um, well, it, it's very busy. Are uh, they
0: are they I, in the room with you, or are you by yourself?
1: I, I am typically uh, by myself with exception to um, the concert ensembles. So, okay. for example, okay. if I'm teaching a beginning class, it's typically only me and the students um in, in that sense, you know, when I'm teaching, let's say beginning double read, um, then Chris is going to be out in another room teaching, uh, the trombone, the trombone students. And okay. then Jessica is going to be out in another room teaching the tuba and euphonium students. Understood. Um, okay. so That's... yeah, it, it is, you know, our middle school is, you know, for a middle school band director, I think the day is very fast and very intense, you know, bell to bell to bell to bell. There's always a new group of students coming in just as one group of students are leaving. We do team teach, though. Sometimes uh, we'll combine our beginning classes to, you know, focus on a single fundamental or perhaps a combined piece. But we do mainly team teach the seventh and eighth grade ensembles. So um, Chris has a wind ensemble. Jessica has the second band. I have the third band. And um, when I say I have or they have, they they truly are like the leader. They're the ones on the podium. But as that's happening in the rehearsal, uh, we typically, uh, the other two will be um, in and out correcting individuals or uh, chiming into the full ensemble and just adding feedback in that sense.
0: Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. And that's the that's yeah. position that I'm in right now, too. So Wonderful. So I'm a co-band director at two schools, and I'll be, during the day, I'll either be on the podium or I'll be doing, like you said, chiming in or helping individuals. Um, yeah, and I found that to be a really, really great first year position, and and I'm learning a lot. Um, yeah, but you're in your second year teaching. That's correct. Okay, you're too. And you recently just presented at the Midwest Clinic. Can yes. Can you talk to me a little bit about just everything it took to create that presentation and what it was like <laughs> and your thought process throughout the whole thing?
1: You know, I I have clear memories of of going to Midwest as as a college student and thinking, you know, just being so shocked by what a magnificent, um, event it is, you know, what a beautiful international gathering, not just of music, but really to celebrate the, with some of the best things that are happening in our music world, you know, on an international, um, in an in- international gathering, um, in my mind, you know, <clears throat> presenting at Midwest was something that I, I wanted to, do sometime in my career or you know, wanting to take an ensemble there sometime um in my career. And I was I was very shocked to learn that I was, you know, I was afforded the opportunity to do it, to actually present. Um ironically about my first year of of teaching. Yeah. Um so once I got past the initial shock <laughs> and and in a way kind of kind of disbelief, um the whole planning process started. And um in many ways, you know, I, I'm very, very thankful for the for the opportunity to present. I'm very thankful that, you know, in my opinion, I think the presentation went smoothly and I was happy with Absolutely. Um, the way that things panned out and how, you know, the program – not the program, but the, the handout um, came out. But I feel like every single step I, I took, you know, every single page that I created on, on my laptop or every single sentence that I – um, typed out like in my notes or on my phone, you know, sometimes when I was in the car driving to work or driving home from work or, you know, just, you know, mid conversation, I'd have a thought. Um, all of that took so much, Yeah, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, I see creativity in, in, in others, you know, I see, I can really identify creative people Yeah. and in a way I, I think I can also kind of self identify myself, but not as a creative person. I don't, I don't feel innately creative. Um, so the challenge in, in creating, uh, this, this presentation essentially from scratch and being responsible for, uh, truly uh, almost about every, every chapter of it, um, was, yeah. was a challenge for me, but you know, it's, it's something that I'm very thankful for. Yeah. Um, the, the presentation itself is, or was called thrive, not survive. And it was, the subtitle was, um, achieving success as a first-year teacher, and um, really the, the the thought came um, into my mind to even you know have the have the idea to maybe present at, at Midwest or present anywhere really um, in I think the end of my first semester to teach um, because you know I, I had I had moved to Austin and I started and I began to integrate myself into uh, the program and I became closer to my colleagues and I you know, taught band for the first time in my life. Um, and at the end of the semester, because I had help and because I had guidance and also because I had some opportunities to teach, um, before, you know, just practice teaching before Mm -hmm. I actually took my first job. Um, it went well. And, you know, I thought the first, you know, it was just kind of like a light bulb. I, I was so prepared to quickly become burned out
0: or become overwhelmed Right and that's um, what people talk about so much is you know what I got was be be careful don't work too hard you don't want to burn out so when I saw your clinic I was really really intrigued
1: Yeah so so, I mean I had heard the same words uh, going through college or going to um, my state's music conferences or any other you know panel discussions by either young teachers or student teachers you know the same I kept hearing the same thing it was just like just get through the first year, you know, just don't drown. Just don't work too hard. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Or just, you know, it will get better. Don't worry. Um, but you know, at the end of my first semester, I, I wasn't feeling any of those things, although I in a way I was, I was prepared to. And so that kind of led to the idea of maybe spreading the, the good news, (laughs) uh, you know, spreading at least the at least the mindset, or or at least some tools yeah. or guidelines to to share or or to to spread that you know the first year does not have to be a miserable one. Um, I, I think it can be overwhelming um, simply because it's a new thing that that we're doing. You know, as young teachers, we're in a new environment that we're not used to. So there there is a steep learning curve. I'll I'll, I'll agree to that. But um, I don't subscribe to the. To, to the this reality that it must be a, a bad experience for the first year teacher. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I 100% agree with you. Uh, I actually I kept your I don't know what I call it a program. It's more of a booklet. Yeah, uh, it's like a
1: handout kind of a.
0: Yeah, I really really liked it. I really liked the cover. I liked everything about it. And I was looking you. it over, I saw this this quote that you had in there it said good or bad, whatever is happening in my classroom, somehow I am giving permission for it. And I'll tell Jeez. you, I mean, that my mind kept going back to that after. Midwest. Isn't that,
1: isn't that incredible? Yeah. It, it's
0: genius. It's, it, she's a genius. And I
1: can say that cause I'm certainly not the one that, that came up with that. Her name is, uh, her name is Lynn Jackson. Lynn Jackson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she's an, she's an incredible woman and, and teacher and mind and person. She's, um, She's on the music faculty at Southern Methodist University, and she also works within the um, Berkner area band cluster.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, I was connected um, with her in high school, and I kept in touch with her through my music degree and, and still will speak to her every now and then. But when I heard that, I, I mean, it, doesn't that just it, – it, it's so powerful. It, Absolutely. It's like, it's like eating kale raw. <laughs> Or, you know, it's like taking medicine that that's <laughs> tastes so bad, but, it, you know, it's really good for you. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I see, you know, I, I did have that and, and I still maintain that. But when I went into my first year to teach, I remember that first semester, especially with with beginners, you know, because, you know, the thing I, I love about middle school is we get to teach beginners, meaning that we get blank slates as children. Yes. You know, the, yeah. the thing that the thing that we're hearing and the thing that we're seeing, the behavior that we see, um, the amount of eye contact, the foot tap, the posture, the way that they hold their instruments, the sounds that they make, the way that they, you know, articulate or whatever is a direct reflection of your, of, of my own teaching. Um, and so when I would see something that was going well, it it would make me feel good. When I saw something more often that was, was not going well, you know, I didn't make the excuse about the student. I didn't make the excuse about the instrument or um, any excuse at all. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have the luxury of of making those excuses if if we really do subscribe to that. Yeah, um, and I think you know i'm I'm glad I put that in there because, you know it's something that i I think about a lot. Um, I think it's something that's really influenced um, me as I've began to kind of create my own teaching style, you know, or the way that I think about teaching children
0: what what are some classroom management techniques that you can offer for for first year teachers out there who are kind of struggling with beginning band oh. students
1: yeah well um <laughs> there, there's a lot <laughs> I, i'm you know you, you asked me like cl- classroom management techniques and then you know instantly i flash back to like this afternoon or <laughs> you yeah. know, yesterday yeah. morning or this morning <laughs> or, or something like that um, I, I think a, a powerful one, especially for um, a, a younger teacher, is is to know exactly what it is that that you're chasing. And and I got this um, I, I got this wonderful tool from from Chris Yee. Um, and what he described it as is you in a way you kind of make this kind of mental video, this mental movie in your head. And in your mind, you know, the bell rings and children begin to filter in. And already, you know, you've defined something like, are they speaking? Are they not speaking? Um, What are they doing as they come in? Do they sit down? How are they sitting down? How do they get their instruments? Um, And and really, you go through, seriously, every variable, every decision um, has been made to create this kind of mental thing of what exactly it is that you would want your students to look like and act like and sound like in a perfect world. And um, as you're teaching, now that you've kind of saved that mental, um, mental video, if you will, um, as you're teaching, as soon as something strays, you stop the process and then you fix it and you stop the process and you fix it and you stop the process and you fix it. Um, I believe in a way behavior and, and classroom management, um, they they need to be taught, you know, the students, um, I, I think so often, you know, classroom management or rather behavior issues, Spawned from just like a lack of of initial teaching. Um, at four points, we I will say have a slow slowish start to the year because we spend so much time teaching how to enter the room <laughs> and then how to sit yeah. and then how to sit back <laughs> and then once that's done, then we teach them to sit forward again and then sit back again and then teach them how to enter the room again and. Then, you know, we let them talk and then we get their attention by raising their hand and then we train that into them and into them and into them. And um, although it is, you know, a little bit cumbersome to them, I mean, they still find it fun. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a way to make, you know, those kinds of things fun. Right. And but I'm, yeah, the, I'm sure
0: you guys have perfected a way of making that fun over the years. Oh movies. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Earlier I said dynamic. We are so goofy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we are, we are crazy.
0: Um, we are much
1: crazier than our children. So, you know,
0: at some they, level for these kids, you know, I um, think
1: so too. You know, I mean, we have fun and they have fun watching, you know, they kind of get the dinner and a show or yeah. they get like band, <laughs> you know, band and a show kind of a thing. But, um, yeah. I mean, you got to have fun, <laughs> Yeah. but, um, yeah, I mean, although we do have a start, a slow start to the year, we're able to metaphorically like slam the gas down without much holding us back because they behave so well and they focus so well because we've simply taught that into them, right. um, at the beginning of the year. And, and it, yes, it takes the occasional reminder, but it, it's, I would say very easy to, you know, get any, any of our ensembles, um, behaving correctly. The beautiful thing about, about four points that I love, especially as as the second assistant in, in all of this, is my ensemble for the most part um, rehearses just as well as the second ensemble and rehearses just as well as as the top ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't play the same literature. We you know the the difficulty varies, but there's the same amount of focus most of the time and same intensity and same attention to detail. Um, and that's really speaking of just the way that we started them in terms of, no, you'll behave like this. Like we insist that, you know, this is kind of the classroom environment that you're going to be a part of. And if you're not, you know, you have to change.
0: Right. Wow. I really, I really like that you're, you're starting that so early in the year and it's just ingrained in them. I think that's a brilliant approach to, mm-hmm. to the way that it should be done. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one last question for you. Sure. And this is a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show. Uh, And I know you're only in your second year of teaching, but Mm -hmm. if you could go back to yourself as a first-year teacher and you can meet yourself, what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself? Um, That is a good one.
1: Um, Although, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it was only last year. Um, I think I would... I would have told myself to, I don't know. I mean, I, in a way I kind of hesitate to say this cause I don't want to give anyone else like the the wrong advice. You know, if anyone is, right, right. is li- listening to my voice for, for advice, I would tell myself to be a little less serious, um, okay. you know, to, to be more, to show more of my own human side. And, and, you know, uh, you know, of course there's, there's danger in that, uh, says young teachers. Yes. Um, so, so take this, take this with a grain of salt. But I mean, if I can explain, um, I was very, very professional, you know, my face, everything from, you know, the way that I dressed to like the way that I kept my face to the way, like I spoke to these little 11 year olds was, was very much, um, very much not, you know, the, typical middle school style. But, you know, in a way, I didn't know any better. I really hadn't learned yet. Yeah. Now, in my second year, um, I've connected with students as as humans or not all of them, but but certainly a a much bigger number. Um, And it's just, you know, I, I think to me or rather for me, it was one of those things that I had to learn in the job and learn. Maybe it's a little specific to four points middle school or maybe it's just a little specific to my um, teaching style or my personality, but, you know, I was very closed off. I was very professional. I was very focused and never, I, you know, I, I don't think I did a great job of, you know, presenting myself as another human that one of my students could interact with just on like a human level. Like they could ask me about my day or I could ask them about their day kind of stuff. Right. So I have been working on that and, and I feel like I'm, I'm better, you know, you know, part of it is just me again, forcing myself to remember that I work with 11 year olds and 12 year olds and, and 13 year olds, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think of them that way musically, but you know, I, at times I, I need to remember, so remember that they are so, right. yeah, I, I guess that would be my advice to myself.
0: Absolutely. And that, that is a fantastic answer. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, I'm just asking these questions for you and I thought that that was fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. here's our last segment of the interview I was telling you a little bit before the interview is called rapid fire and I'm nervous <laughs> don't be nervous they're easy questions they're just fun questions I think I've got one two three four I have five questions for you and all I want you to do is <laughs> just say the first thing that comes to your mind just start just start talking as soon as I ask a question um, okay here we go you ready I uh, yeah I'm I'm still nervous. Okay. <laughs> okay. What is your dream vacation?
1: Uh, why am I thinking Mexico? I want to go to Mexico. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Mexico. <laughs> have you ever been to Mexico? Uh,
1: I have. My okay. family was sure to take all their vacations before I could remember anything. So I, I've been, but I, I just, I don't remember. I was too young. Yeah. All right.
0: Good, so, Good answer. There we are. What is the last <laughs> book that you've read?
1: Uh, the last book. Oh, it's fantastic. I love this question. It was, um, it's called The Undoing Project, um, by Michael Lewis. So okay. wonderful, wonderful book that was recommended to me by, um, an awesome person.
0: Awesome. Cool stuff. Can you, did you, so you finished it? Um, yes. Can you tell um, me a little so, bit about what it's about?
1: Yeah. So it, The Undoing Project in itself, um, it's, it's about, it, it's about like a, a big concept through the narration of, of different stories. Um, so like the most, the, the most part that I connected with was actually near the beginning, probably like in the first half of the book. And it speaks about um, the, this complex world that exists that, you know, people like you or you or I just never knew about that is involved within um, the NBA selections or just like NBA recruiting. And, oh, wow. and the amount of you know, you and I would think like skill that, <clears throat> that these players, uh, possess before they get recruited onto these professional teams or even college teams, for example. Um, but there's a whole no- another world that I just wasn't aware of. Like, like genetics plays such a large part, um, where you were born plays such a large yeah. part. Interesting. Um, timing plays such a large part. And, and it, it's not only about that, but it's, it's also, um, just about the power of influence. Um, uh, in, incredible book. It, it sheds, you okay. know, light on on places to where like, okay, I didn't know that was going on, but also, um, you know, it, it, wonderful book. It's wow. called The Undoing okay. Project. Michael yeah. Lewis.
0: I just I wrote it down, so I'm gonna check that one cool. out. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's another question, and it's not really a question. It's more of a well, it's not a it's not really a rapid fire question. I'm just gonna say. Walk me through a typical day in your life and oh. include your morning routine. So today you told me it's six, <laughs> o- it's 6 o'clock in Texas, and you told me that this is one of the days that is light for you. So I'm just curious, is, what, what is, is a light. typical day for you?
1: A, t- a typical day, um, the alarm goes off at at five now, but okay. I don't get up at five. <laughs> I, I get up, I muster the strength, you know, I gain consciousness around right. five fifteen okay. or five twenty. Um, so I, I, you know, begrudgingly wake up. The first thing I do is I, I take a shower. Um, I brush my teeth. There's this, I've moved into a new apartment. There's this, you know, some people could think of it as like the, uh, floor heated floors. Uh-huh. Um, I don't have heated floors, but I think the plumbing is like super weird. So there are spots, you know, I, I stand in this one weird spot because I think there's like hot water flowing under it. And I stand there, brush my teeth too. mouthwash, um, get dressed. I make a smoothie. Um, my colleagues, my colleagues make fun of me. Um, I make a smoothie and then I, um, I typically do one of two things. I, I either score study. Like I, I teach myself about a a big masterwork or a chamber work that's, that's in the wind world or at sometimes the orchestral world or on the off days, I go for a jog, like just a brief jog. Okay. Um, and then typically I'm good to go. I, you know, go to work. It's about a f- probably a 15 minute commute to four points. Okay. Uh, so that's, f-
0: that's pretty nice though that you give yourself time to, to sto- score study or go for a jog, a little self-improvement in the morning.
1: It, yeah, it is. That um, yeah, was part of the, you know, something that I had to, to learn because in my first year, I, I didn't do that. I didn't know to do that. And I don't think I was disciplined enough, self-disciplined enough to do something like that. But um, I found that doing something like that, doing something for yourself at the start of this day, you know, before you're giving yourself, you know, away, you know, to students all day and to colleagues all day and to emails all day um, <laughs> typically makes the day better. Yeah. or at least you know for me and and the hour of sleep that you sacrifice to do it is is well worth it most days yeah um so yeah i i continue uh to 4 points i get there around typically 7am to 7:15am my first sectional today was my uh clarinets so my little um, concert band clarinets uh, from 7:30 to about 8:45 today. Okay. Um, school starts at nine. I have a conference and <clears throat> really I just go through the the normal um, four point points. St- were, were you looking for like our kind of schedule or just oh, you know going yeah, going sure. to work? Yeah, um, We we start uh, with a conference, so we're all together in the same office, which is wonderful. At the same time, we can right. exchange ideas or we can. Um, plan for something, or we can um, cry about. <laughs> we can cry about something. Or, you know. Sure, yeah. So, you know, um, so that happens. Chris's band goes second period. Um, Jess's band goes immediately after. Uh, then I teach clarinets, and then I immediately teach double reeds. Then I scarf down lunch for about, I think 25 minutes. Okay. And then I teach my band and then I teach the, uh, four points beginning saxophones. And typically I teach an after school sectional, um, as well. But today, Tuesday is the one day of the week where I don't have an afternoon, um, sectional scheduled. So it's kind of my day off, you know, after long Mondays. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now I'm home. Um, you know, you know, I, I recommend this to to any band director or really to any I would say music teacher, but really just teacher in general. Um I, I'm doing a better job this year of of dividing myself from four points versus my own apartment or versus my time away from four points. You know, um I really used to think about work and think about work and think about work even when I was at home. Um and now, you know, I, I come home and it's my, you know, it's my space, you know, I yeah. I eat. I, I go for a walk. I ride a bike. Um, I hang out with friends and, and stuff like that. Like I'm, by focusing on on having a life, you know, I think it's just I think it's just made me a happier person and That's ironically great. a better teacher. Yeah. You know. So.
0: Yeah, if you take care of yourself, it'll it'll show in your classroom too. I'm
1: yeah, that. you know it's it's kind of backwards. Like the less I think about four points, or think about my job now, um, you know, I've focused on just improving who I who I am, and I think it's trickled back into um, my work. You know, back into just being a happier person most of the time
0: now. Yeah. All right. Here's your next question. If you right. could, if you could be doing anything other than music, like let's say that you couldn't be doing music. Um, what would you do?
1: Oh, this is a good one too. Cause you know, on on my most frustrated days and Chris and I are good at this. We'll, we'll get frustrated or we'll get, I don't know, just pissed about how something's going Yeah, and then we'll look at each other and then we'll be like, let's open a bar. (laughs) And uh, for real, I think I would, I think I would like being a bartender, (laughs) you know, because there's kind of that creative process. You still interact with people. It's around alcohol uh-huh. Um. You, you. know. Like. What. What can go wrong? It's. It's funny that. You know. You ask that because that. That's seriously a question that Chris and I have. We've had this Let, conversation yeah. many times. Let's open. Uh, to, to. To. To the point where Chris is. Chris <laughs> is going to be the owner. I'm going to be the bartender. I forget what the wow. name is. Chris. You know. Chris has the name. Chris. I think has maybe the. The blueprints of this thing. He's really. <laughs> The the bar is going to be divided. You know, on one side is going to be beers, the other side is going to be, you know, cocktails and stuff like that, and. The intent. We've already picked the spot. It's going to be a little bit <laughs> northwest Austin, out of the northwest. Perfect. Yeah. yeah great I, location. You know, out, out of the city limit. And, yeah. And, and stuff
0: like wow. that. Wow. So you it's guys have planned this out planned out. out. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you the name at a different time, but I, I think it's already picked out as well.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, if that ever happens, I'll, I'll come out and, and visit. Come that visit. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Here is my last question for you. Um, all right. Why middle school out of out of everything? Why did you pick middle school in a way
1: i you know I was fortunate that I ended up in middle school um uh, it was you know high school i I was not set on high school, I was not set on middle school really I was just like I'm, i I want a job yeah. you know like like i w- I want to put this degree and this time and this training to use um so as a first year teacher or a person looking for their first position i would I was not picky you know I just wanted something in music yeah um I can say that I am I'm very thankful for my middle school position because like we had talked about earlier, it is a blank slate, you know, these children, um, they come in and what they do from week to week or from year to year is a, um, it's a, it's a direct, it's my own reflection, you know, in them Mm -hmm. and, you know, middle school, you know, being able to connect to a young mind like that, or being able to, You know, get get an 11-year-old to play the, uh, you know, F-sharp major scale well um, takes skill and and it takes time to think through and it takes, you know, I have to use my words in a certain way. I have to think in a certain way and I have to be good at communicating to someone else who is not just like me and communicating something new. Um, So it's been good for me. Middle school has been great to me in the sense to where it's really honed – you know, my own communication. It's, um, it's improved or really formed, you know, my, my teaching style. Um, and I, it, it's just a wonderful, you know, wonderful place I think to start any, um, form of, of, of teaching ever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kevin.
0: Like I said, what a fantastic interview. Thank you again so much, Jonathan. Guys, next couple weeks, we're going to have some huge, huge guests that I hadn't imagined even thinking about coming on the podcast, so please stay tuned. Stay close to the Facebook page if you're interested in the guests that are coming on the show. They, I won't spam you, I promise. I just post every Tuesday. Actually, Monday night is when the episodes really come out, but... I post just once a week about who's on the show and give you a little bit of information. So if you like the show, please support the Facebook group. You can check out my website, kevinlynchmusic.com, where I write a little blog post about each person that's been on the podcast. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at Tenuto Podcast. Have a great week.